You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off another box on the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge. Read a book set in another country, and also we're testing out some book borrowing cards. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am reading a book set in another country. How about that? Um, It's called Mary Toft or The Rabbit Queen by Dexter Palmer. I have not heard of this. So Dexter Palmer wrote a book I loved a couple years ago called Version Control. It's a sci-fi book. This one is based on, on the true story, true story. I use that word because it is a thing that happened where a woman in England was giving birth to rabbits. But hold on, what? It is true that this thing was happening, but whether she was actually, she wasn't, if you read about it. It's true that she claimed that this was happening, but we don't know. Rabbits were coming out of her. There were rabbits coming out of her. Coming out of her. (laughs) So he's taking this thing that obviously we know a woman can't give birth to rabbits. Um, Correct. But he's taking this thing that happened in history, true thing, uh, true story, and he's looking at it through the lens of like um, a novel. So it's a a narrative from the point of view of. Sort of the apprentice to this um, this doctor. Um, so there's a doctor who is a very rational guy. And um, he has this new apprentice, Zachary. And Zachary is like learning the ways of doctoring. And they are like, oh, this is going to be- ways of doctoring. This is the way. Look, this is going to be the first birth you're going to witness. You're going to have to witness a birth every once in a while. And they go and then- Instead of a baby coming out, it's like rabbit's feet and stuff. So, um, you know, trigger warnings for a lot of things in this book. But okay. uh, so far, it's great. I'm only about a fourth of the way through. But um, I, I know where Please the, let me know how this is. This I know where the historical story goes. Okay. Because at some point, the king, she, like the king gets interested and she has to go to the king and also give birth to rabbits there. There's like all sorts of crazy things that happen. Hold on, hold story. on. Is, is it like... Is she... Having sex with a man and makes bunnies, or well, is she having sex with the Easter bunny and making bunnies, or is it just like spontaneous insemination? She's kind of saying it's spontaneous because her husband is the one who comes and gets the doctor, and he's like, "We have not so lain together like, or whatever." He was saying old timey language. Wait, isn't so? This is how Jesus got made, right? I <laughs> yeah. Someone has sex with their Easter bunny, and then and then Jesus came out. No, no, it's just so it's immaculate rabbit consumption. She pretty, just wakes up and she's like, "Oh, dang!" Pretty much, I'm pregnant with a bunch of bunnies. I mean, again. I don't think I'm, I. I. It's weird because it's based on a historical story, so it's a true story. And I could tell you, I do know what happens in the story and what they find. I mean, obviously, they find out she's not giving birth to rabbits. You know, like they find out that wow. she's doing other things to make this happen for her. But oh, I don't even want to know. It's a really crazy story, but um, I don't feel like that's like a spoiler, is it? Is it a spoiler to tell you people that? That it's like, she's not truly giving birth to rabbits. I'm so flummoxed by all of this that I couldn't anyway, even Anyway, it's tell great. You. It's really an interesting way, I think, to look at historical fiction, or histor- uh, a true story in history. It's historical fiction, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just from the point of view of this doctor and the apprentice. Uh, what are you reading? So I have been in kind of a book slump. Oh, Since I know. You be- just came in and you were like, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and books, the, the names of which have been redacted. Um, but I... Since the beginning of the year, really, I've been having a really hard time getting into books. I just haven't read, been getting into any, many things that have really grabbed me. Even so, the other day, Jeremy was like, Babe, are you okay? You really haven't been really loving books lately. I'm like, I know. Um, so, I did what I always do when I'm one of the many things that I try when I'm in a book club. So, I, 
book, book slump and try something totally different. So I started listening to this audiobook uh, that I got from Libby from the library called The Invention of Murder by Judith Flanders. And it is a nonfiction book about um, crime in the Victorian era in England and how the Victorians were really the ones to start like sensationalizing and hunger hunger hungering for the sensationalization of murder oh interesting and how it affected like the newspapers and just like the news cycle and murder itself because this was before the idea of a serial killer really came into being so much so that like there was uh multiple murders in the same way and people were like well it has to be two people one person could (laughs) but so the author judith landers goes through all of these different um murder cases in Victorian England and like sort of shows how they started to affect society and how people like really hungered for stories about murder. Hmm. And it's fascinating. It is really starting to get me out of my book slump, which has been awesome. I will warn people, it's a honker. It is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big old Christmas goose. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a 19 and a half hour long audiobook uh-huh. and it is dense as fuck. Fuck. Oh, wow. To give people an idea, my audiobook, uh, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, which is like, I think the book comes in around like 350 pages. It's like eight hours, nine hours. So this is 10 and a half more hours. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and it is a lot of information. But that's why it's good as an audiobook mm-hmm. because it's just like, you know, you can kind of zone in and zone out. Yeah. Um, What are you reading, Sean? Okay, we'll All right. Talk, we'll, we'll read Sean is it. reading a book, but he will make you wait, folks, till next recording session. Oh yeah! Off. Wow, keep it, keeping yeah. keep Sean it. is withholding that Sean tent. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Sean hates that word, and I love it. So I'm listening to uh, the Invention of Murder by Judith Flanders, and I am reading Mary Toft semicolon or comma the Rabbit Queen. Don't forget those <laughs> punctuations uh, by Dexter Palmer. Uh, that might be the first semicolon I've ever heard of in a title although I'm sure there's more I love it it makes the title look very cool when you're looking at it and the cover very is cool fancy. too it's it's like it's very like you know it's set in the 1700s and the cover like makes you feel that way it's very cool uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback uh, and we have some listener feedback from our fancy books episode just a reminder the um, fancy books episode we talked about uh fancy pages um, and, and then having like um, other content can related to your books and things like that so Wellington wrote in, hello, Mallory and Bria, about the last episode, Fancy Books. What I believe to be the most fanciest book ever is Future by Dmitry Glukowski. Uh, one of the most famous writers from Russia is creator of the series Metro 2033. But Future, this is on another level. You can check out the first five chapters of the book on his website, which we will link to. They're available in six languages. It's the fanciest because every chapter has a lot of special image art. Uh, and a cool soundtrack for you to listen to while you read. Oh, fun. Wow, that is extremely fancy. And it's future with a period in it. Yes. F-U-T-U, period, R-E. We're we're really- So it could be Future. Future. (laughs) Or Futu.re. Yeah. (laughs) Futu, who is replying to an email of yours. Yeah. Ashley wrote in and said, it took me a week to remember the name of this interactive book. Have you heard of Level 26 by Anthony Zucker and Dwayne Swierkskinski? It's dark and scary and has videos on YouTube after each chapter. I think it's a series. Check it out. Sounds like another fancy book to me. Beth wrote in with The Wheelhouse, which is non-male leading characters, birds. <laughs> we usually have a big bird contingent on this show, which a I think is A lot of people funny. have birds in their wheelhouse. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I want to know, is it like birds in the background do you want birds as characters do you want birds involved in the plot in some I, way i feel like we should do a bird bird book 
episode. Have we done that? No. Yeah, I feel like we should. Should go with our horse books episode? Yeah, we should. Like, have some sort of bird. One of these people needs to write in with all of their favorite bird books. Because I think A bunch of people some. have. Yeah, that's true. People were writing in with their bird book recommendations for a while. <laughs> um, and then also, geological history, sci-fi fantasy, and well-written sex scenes. I hate an unbelievable sex scene slash sex scenes that which were obviously written for male gratification. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. We've had a couple people email about this. Folks, there's a link in the show notes. Yeah, and on the blog. And on our blog. If you go to MaximumFun.org and find the Reading Glasses page, there is a individual web page for each episode and all the books we talk about plus all the links we talk about and a link to our newsletter is in each single one mm-hmm. uh and a quick bookmark from me i just want to remind folks that the lady from the black lagoon paperback is out on march 3rd it's coming up i'm very excited about it it's the paperback of my memoir slash biography about the woman who designed the creature from the black lagoon um if you the best way if you know listen to the show you know that the best way to support an author is to pre-order it uh because it's paperback it's a lot cheaper than the hardcover or you could order it from your library as well uh it's uh, a book for people who like movie history and art history and feminism and biographies and california history and all kinds of histories uh there's also some penis jokes in there which mm-hmm. i'm very proud of it's very funny um i'll put a link in the show notes and if you're in the los angeles area on march 3rd that tuesday the book comes out i am doing a very special launch event at the last bookstore with my friend sarah gailey who's also launching their new book so it's going to be a big fun party i really hope you can join us it's going to be a blast i'll put a link to that also in the show notes i just added it to my calendar so before we talk about books set in another country we're going to take a quick break Hello, listeners of Maximum Fun. I want to tell you about our newest podcast that tells you all about the truth of the flat earth. Have you been looking out over the horizon and you've been thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't look round. I've been lied to my whole life. What is NASA doing with $52 million, million dollars a, a day? day? Uh, uh, come on. We explode the myths. Just kidding. We're Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we investigate extraordinary claims. That's right. We investigate extraordinary claims firsthand. We go undercover in fringe groups. We get alternative medicine treatments. And we hang out with people who have unusual beliefs, like flat earthers, 9-11 truthers. We do ghost investigations. We've joined Scientology. And we got baptized in the Mormon church. If it goes bump in the night, then so do we. (laughs) Hmm. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? This week, we're checking off another item on the 2020 Reading Glasses Challenge list, which is reading a book set in another country. Where do you find books like these, and why should we even read them in the first place? So first off, it's really good to read books set in other places so we have empathy and understanding of how other cultures live. Remember, reading is basically a giant empathy engine. Uh, So the more you read and absorb the stories of other countries and people, not only are you more aware and informed of what's going on around the world, but you're going to get more considerate and accepting of other cultures. 
basically making you an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this on a show in the past, but Anne Morgan really inspired us both when she did um, decided to read a book from every uh, country in the world. And she did a TED Talk about it, which we will link to in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, something she points out is that 4 to 5% of books in England, she lives in England, um, are translated books. In America, it's actually closer to 3%. I know. Um, nuts. And that, if you're interested in that, you can check out. We have two different episodes on translated yeah, books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, and think about it like this. That compares to a country like Italy where the number of translated books is like 50%. Wow. But we aren't just talking about translated books. We're talking about books set in another country. So for this challenge, I think we should be, we're open to a lot of things, right? It can be published in another language, right? Um, Or it can be published in your own language. Yeah. As Um, long as it's set in a country that you're not living in right now. Right. It could be about a person traveling to that country Mm -hmm. um, or immigrating there or by someone who is just living in a country other than your own. Yes. So like, for example, you can do the number one ladies detective agency, which is set in Botswana, who's about uh, a lady who solves mysteries. That was a buzzy book for a while. Oh, yeah. I loved the series. There was a one season of the series and I think it was on HBO and it was really fun. It was oh. really good, but also these real dark moments. It was great. Oh, it was like pre true crime obsession, and I think if it came out now, it would be like people would go crazy for it. Wow! Um, so Maybe we s- can boost it again, and it will go watch that show. Um, but yeah, so you can read a book like that, about, which is set in Botswana, or you can read something like The Third Hotel by Laura, Laura Vandenberg. Um, that's about a woman who travels to Cuba, and she has this mystery where she like sees her dead husband, and then she like goes to try to find him because she thinks she's seeing him. So both of those are books set in other countries that sort of use the country as a cultural background yeah. for what's happening. Yeah, I bought that book because you liked it, and I still have to read it. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's really easy to get into the groove of only reading books set in the country you live in. Obviously, also especially if you're in America and there aren't that many translated books to choose from or books set in another country to choose from anyways. Uh, But there's a lot of ways to break that cycle. So obviously, reading translated books helps that, and we've done a couple episodes. We get a lot of... um, emails from people who are like, will you do a bo- an episode on translated books? And I'm like, folks, we've already done two. <laughs> Just check our backlog. Go to MaximumFun.org. Find the Reading Glasses page. We have two really great episodes. One, we interview a translator and one, we interview a publisher of translator of translated books. Uh, so they're definitely worth checking out and have a lot of great ways to find translated books and to get recommendations for translated books. Also, never forget the power of a Google search, uh, a Goodreads list, or librarians. I feel like maybe it's because we grew up more with the internet, but I'm always just like, why don't you just ask Google? I didn't grow up with the internet. Oh. I didn't have the internet until I was full into high school. Oh, well, same. I didn't get get the internet until I was like midway through high school, but I think I'm just so used to being able to go, oh, yeah. here's a question. I will put it into my my phone and and get the answer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also we we both like using librarians for things. So there's that too. Uh, so honestly, the thing that helped me most with this challenge was just being more cognizant when I'm browsing for books. I, I had a lot more books at another country than I realized just in my personal library at home. Uh, I think it's really important to be a conscientious reader when you're deciding what to read next, just sitting there and thinking, okay, I want to find a book set in another country. You know, so when you're at the library or the bookstore really helps that there's so many that you might not even realize. It's one of those things like, you know, when you hear a new word that you've never heard and all of a sudden you hear it like five times. Oh the yeah, next yeah, day. yeah. It's the, what is that called? There's definitely a term for it. When you like see something, you're like talking about red cars and then you see four red cars in a row and it's because you were talking, you're noticing it's called it for the magic. <laughs> yeah, it's called magic. Um, the other thing I want to say is that for people uh, who are taking, doing the challenge, like think about doing books. If you read a lot of books set in England or something or, 
you know, whatever, you live in England, you read a lot of books set in America, think about other countries. Like, yeah. if you are an Anglophile already, no, like, you don't have to read, like, think about spreading, going outside of what you normally read. For yeah. Um, we have a little encouragement segment we want to do really fast. An encouragement segment. We encouragement. have a special some content. Some special hot content. Um, we Sean, never have Sean in the main part of the episode, but since oh. Sean is set in another country. Sean is set in another country. Where are you from, Sean? Where am I from? <laughs> I'm from Brisbane, Australia. And so tell us about some Australian books that listeners might be into. Uh, well, I don't know if people will be into them, but... Uh, <laughs> I only picked crap yeah, books. Yeah, I only, I only picked uh, terrifying books. Also, if this is your first episode, Sean is our audio engineer who, mm-hmm. <laughs> who has to listen to poor... To, poor Sean has to listen to me and Bria record reading classes every time. Um, so, uh, uh, in fact, I think I've mentioned this book before, but uh, it's a book called Wake in Fright. Um, I don't think you have. Uh, I, I, it's a book that I love. And I, and I actually read that book in high school and then I, I saw the movie, which was a like a band film from the 70s. And like wow. apparently uh, there's a famous quote saying it's set, set back Australian tourism 10 years or something. <laughs> Whoa. Um, so Sean's is, only picking books that will actively encourage you not to go to Australia. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wake and Fright is um, it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies, Heart of Darkness, but set in um, Outback. Australia. Wow. Um, and is uh pretty dark, but I I I very much enjoyed that book. Um and uh and then uh another one on maybe a lighter tip is uh He Died with a Falafel in His Hand, which is a John Birmingham book. <laughs> Only Sean could say that is a lighter type of book. Yeah. And uh is a it it was also made into a film and um it uh is about his uh, John Birmingham's experiences in share houses in Brisbane and and then in, around Australia growing up. Oh, uh, like a a share house is um, just a like a like a house that, that you, you rent share? and you're like you're like twenty and you go to university and you or like a hostel like six people six people live in a house together like you just have room no you just have roommates but oh yeah yeah we would just call it a share house okay. it's like you like a a bunch of friends will just buy, like, rent, like, like a big family house. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. A share house. A, yeah. a, a shared house. Thanks, Sean. That is all I have for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Bria, what, were you, what are you going to read for this part of the challenge? Well, I've been thinking I should read some books set in Bulgaria because I spent a month there last year, and it looks like I'll be doing at least that this year, um, if not more. Um, and I haven't, I, I looked before I left and then, um, did, yeah, did you go to any bookstores when you were in Bulgaria? Yes. There's an English bookstore. There's one English bookstore, but they only had like a lot of American books oh, that I found. Like, Dang, but I, I came all the way from, a, traveled I, all the way across the country to find, where'd you go Bernadette? God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I, um, could have looked harder, but I was working a lot. Um, but I'm going to prepare this year better. Um, there's a book that people recommend called What Belongs to You, um, and it is about a gay teacher living in Sofia, uh, which is where I met, I was staying there. And I think there's even a sequel to it or, or something like in the same universe. Um, you know, as you know, like Bulgaria was, ooh, I'm going to be wrong about what year it is, but was uh, uh, communist um, until in within our lifetimes and fairly recently. And um, has some pretty had some pretty strict rules about yeah. homosexuality, um, and so I th- I thought that would be a really interesting one for me. 
My other book, I just looked at my library list and I was like, what do I have here that is set in another country? Because I actually had quite a few. Mm-hmm. One I'm really interested in is called, that just came out. It's a 2020 book if people are looking for a recent book um, called Little Gods. Oh, um, I think I've heard of this. Yeah, it's been on a bunch of lists. They just talked about it on, um, they may have talked about it on both all the books and uh, professional book nerds. Wow. I think maybe both um, about a book that people are looking forward to. It's about a, a woman returning to China with her mother's ashes. And that sounded really interesting. That sounds to me. really good. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what are you thinking about? Uh, I was planning on reading Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, which is translated and set in Poland. And I know that you loved it. Yeah, I did. But I've been waiting it waiting on it from the library for like 10 years <laughs> I oh, feel like is it is it a Macmillan book or something I, I don't think so because there's a, like 38 copies or something oh because you know because yeah. for readers who don't know and you you get books from the library now Macmillan has put a like a thing yeah, where we're now, gonna do a whole we're gonna do, talk about yeah this but the problem episode. is like now if you want a Macmillan book you're gonna be waiting a year uh which means I guess I'm not reading those books as much anymore <laughs> yeah we're gonna, <laughs> like, we're gonna I, think it's we're, gonna, I think it backfires but yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We've had a few people write in to talk about the McMillan thing, but that's a whole other episode. Uh, but I have been waiting for an extremely long time for Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. So I'm picking something else. I bought The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma when it came out a few years ago. It was like a big, buzzy book. I was really excited to read it. Uh, and I started and I couldn't just couldn't get into it because there was a lot of bonkers stuff going on in my life. That was like right when I just moved to L.A. and things were just really chaotic in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just put it down. Uh, but I kept it, and it, so it's set in Nigeria, and I've been meaning to pick it back up for a while, and this is the perfect time because I am being very hermity this month and trying not to go out and just work on my new book and read a lot. Um, so it's about four brothers, uh, and they live in this like quiet Nigerian town, and they're told this prophecy about one of them, and it's like this intense, violent prophecy, and it's uh, the whole book is about how that prophecy changes all of their lives. Oh, that's cool. Even like when they don't mean it to. I don't know if I've heard of this book. So that sounds really rad. It was really buzzy about f- four years ago f- or five years ago, whenever it came out. Um, and yeah, I just bought it in hardcover as soon as it came out and just haven't been able to pick it back up since. But so I'm really excited to read it. Um, so those are those who are participating, um, don't forget a lot of classics come from other countries. So if you're looking to get into a classic oh, or yeah. read a classic, um, Don Quixote from Spain, uh, Doll's House, which is um, it's technically a play, but I think that would count. It's from Norway, 100 Years of Solitude from uh, Colombia. If you actually just go type in um, classics from non-American countries, or, you know, I guess if you're listening from Australia, you know, uh, or somewhere. Picnic and Hanging Rock. Rock. Like there's a lot of like, very good books. So there's a lot of good classics um, Mm -hmm. that you can read from other countries and particularly tons from uh, England, if you're looking for that. Yes, and also a quick bookmark about the Reading Glasses Challenge. I've seen some people ask things up in the um, Facebook group, and I want to answer, yes, audiobooks are books. If you don't think that audiobooks are books, you need to go back and re- listen to a bunch of our episodes about them. Audiobooks count as books. If you don't think audiobooks are books, then you're being ableist, and it's really shitty. Graphic yeah. novels are books. Um, and someone also asked if the annotate a book one if they could write the annotations on a post-it and not in the actual book fair it, that's absolutely fine you don't have to write it in the actual book you can put it in a notebook or a post-it whatever you want to do just wanted to answer some quick questions great so you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we test out some book tech we're going to take a quick break oh 
Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Whiteway, the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. So it's time to test out some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech is brought to you from one of our listeners who gifted us something from our Amazon wish list. Yeah, so you can find this on our on the blog and in the show notes. We just make a wish list and it will just come directly to us. You can buy it for us and we will review it on the show. Yeah. And if you want us to say your name or talk about you, make sure you include that. Include a little gift card or something, uh, a little gift note. Yeah. For this one in particular, there was no note. Uh, so we don't know who sent it, but whoever you are, thank you very much. Uh, and if you, yeah, if you ever want to check it out, we, there's a bunch of stuff on there in like a, in a very wide price range. It's like mm-hmm. cool bookish uh, gadgets and items and things that we really like testing out. Yeah. Or just stuff, random stuff that we're like, these. this is bookish and you might want to buy it for a friend. So like- we might be reviewing it for the tech stuff, but also it may just be a good gift, you know, that we can talk yeah. about to give to people. So we got a package full of little note cards that look like old school library cards, but they're specifically for book borrowing. And as in, if someone borrows one of your books, they fill out the title and the date they took it out, maybe the date that you want it back. Um, and they're really cute. What do you think of these? Super cute. Um, if you're looking for a great way to keep track of what you've given to people, I think these are really great. I have a friend, you know, that has a, um, a lending library of DVDs. This would work for that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can, you can do it for anything like that. Um, I also think these, these are really cute as, um, you know, I often like have to write notes to like when I'm sending checks to people, you know, yes, that's right. I have to send checks, but like when I'm sending stuff to people or just leaving notes, Mm -hmm. these would be perfect for those, like a little cute way to leave notes to be like, I'm bookish, but also here's a note for something. Thank you. Or like a wedding invitation or like a table setting. There's actually enough of them to where you could totally do that. Yeah. That's all. That's another thing. There are so many. There's two massive stacks of them and we just split them in half, right? There's like, I, I don't know. There must be 400 of them. There's so many. There's so many of them. So I I mean, we probably could look it up and tell you exactly how many. Um, I also think it's a cute way if you're just a person like me who writes down a lot of shit, um, a to-do list, a grocery list, like to put it on your refrigerator with a magnet. It's it's very, very cute. My only complaint is that um, I think you and I I are both surprised. We thought they would be like connected to each other. Like Like a a post-it. Yeah. yeah, or a post-it or something like that. And instead, it's just single pieces of paper. They're all loose. So if you drop this somewhere, you're going to have hundreds of sheets of paper all over your floor. Yes. Um, I am i don't know how to exactly to store it because I've been like, oh, if I yes. put it in a shelf, you can't line it up. You know what I mean? It may fall over. And you, yeah. yeah. So that's an issue. Um, a notepad would be much better. But otherwise, these are very cute and super useful if you're a person like me who make notes about things a lot. Also, you could use them as bookmarks. They'd make great bookmarks. Ooh. They'd be really good for annotating. 
Oh, shit. You're right. So if right. you wanted to annotate not uh, on... Oh, you can write the title of the book and all the little quotes. That's wicked cute. Yeah. They're not quite big enough to write a ton of quotes, but if you're just writing down, like, notes oh, yeah. about stuff... Yeah, like, um, what things, like, little, like, oh, I like the ca- this character. I like this plot, like... Yeah, or, like, something, like, if I'm reading something and I need to... And I'm making notes, but I don't want to make notes in the book... You could use it instead of a post-it note. Like you could just stick it in the yeah. area of the book, and then go if you're going back later and writing yeah, stuff cute. about it. Yeah, they're very they're very cute. It's basically just cute pieces of paper, <laughs> is what it is. That are small. Yes. I don't know if we described them, but well, they're we'll like, post a picture of it uh, on our Instagram. They're like the size of your hand or my yeah. hand. Your and hand. I, I, got well, I don't know. Tiny I have pretty small hands okay. too. All right. We both. We're a podcast of small hands. They're, they're the size <laughs> of a. They're a small hand piece of paper. <laughs> they're size of a Mallory or Bria hand. Uh, what did you think of them? Uh, also, I thought they were very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for what they are, I think they're great. Uh, they're very adorable. They're very simple. But I do agree. I think they need to be connected like post-its or in a notebook or something. I think having them loose is tough because you have to figure out how a way to store them. Like, especially if you're using them for their intended purpose and you have like, I don't know, say five people, you know, have taken out and you, so you just have this like loose stack of cards. Maybe remember like those, like, um, like maybe like a base, like those baseball card binders it's like a oh yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. plastic piece it's like a piece of plastic with all these little slots for baseball cards or pokemon cards depending mm-hmm. on how cool you were mm-hmm. um like you could like something like that or an envelope maybe that you stick in your library well the idea is right that you write it down and you put it in the book and every book would have its own lending one yeah well because but i thought if you are writing the title and like who has it or whatever and then you give it to them then yeah Oh, uh, no, you don't. You keep it. You you would keep it. You're yeah, right. That's but what each I'm one would have its own is what I'm saying. So you wouldn't have yeah. to store them. Oh, I see. Once you've lent it out, the yeah, one that if they you have. Yeah, like, yeah, like say saying. you have five people who have taken it out of your library and you have just these like five loose cards. Yeah, that's true. There, there would be kind of a storage And they're issue. less cards and more like pieces of paper. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, honestly, they're about the size of an index card. Yeah, but a piece of paper. Like not thick is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Not, they don't have a thickness to them. They have, they're like more rustly. Yeah. That's right. I described paper as rustly. No one ever <laughs> has before. <laughs> um, but yes, these are super cute. We really appreciate being sent them. I'm going to be using them as little thank you cards. I don't let people borrow my books besides you or Jeremy. So I don't, I'm not, I don't have to worry about that, but um, I would be using them as, I'm going to, maybe I should try them to try to use them to annotate a book for our reading class challenge yeah, this year. do it. Very cute idea. Uh, so I would, I'd give these a three out of five pages. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Like, um, if they were in, uh, if they were connected, I'd give them a lot more. Yes, if they were yeah. connected or, like, came with, like, little envelopes or, like, if they came with something to store them. Yeah, but honestly, I'm going to use them, so maybe they should Very cute. <laughs> now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Emma writes in, I'd love some bookish advice from you both, especially as I know you're both big library users. How do you deal with finally getting a book on hold from the library only to realize you're not in the mood to read it at the moment? This has happened to me several times recently with new releases where I end up waiting, say, six to eight weeks. And by the time the book comes, I find I don't really want to read it at the moment. Do you read it anyway or gamble with the suspend hold option? Bria, what do you do? Well, first of all, a suspend hold means that you'll get it in seven days or whatever. So... Oh, okay. So if you suspend I don't, hold, I don't, I don't suspend holds very so often. So if I have a, and it's like, you're going to get this in about a week and I suspend it for seven days, um, then it will arrive in two weeks or less. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, suspend hold, you're still on the hold list. You just won't get it. But usually right when your suspend hold runs out, it, it you will get it then. Wow. So if you're getting a week and I suspend it for three weeks, I'm going to get it in three weeks. So it's not really a gamble at that point. Yeah. It's not like you didn't. You know, you. It's not like you're not going to get it. Yes, but I'm going to say this: 
you should gamble. <laughs> and that all being said, I don't think you should read something you don't want to read. Um, even just because it comes up at the at the library. I often don't get, let that library push you around. Yeah. If I get the book and I realize I don't want to read it, which is usually what happens, I'm like, no, I, I'm going to read this. And then about a weekend, I'm like, I'm not going to read this. I return it early so the next person can have it because that's me. I'm waiting for that yeah. book. And then I see that it arrives. This happens to me all the time where I get books that I'm like, yes. or I see they're coming and I'm like, this happens to me all the time what i generally do because i'm trying not to check out books that i'm not going to read um is i add it to my wish list and i just get rid of the hold altogether because i'm like maybe later at some point i put them on or tbr if you do tbr i do wish list at the library um on the library's website um but if i look at that book and i'm not interested and i do it more than a couple of times i just delete it from my wish list because i got too many books to read same but i just think Whatever, if you have to do a suspend hold, if that your library works differently, um, yeah, then do the gamble. But don't read a book just because it came up at the library. Because there's a lot of people who do want to read that book that are not you. And you can yeah. think of it in that way. Be be selfless and let them have that book. <laughs> be a good book citizen. Yeah, and read the book that really is calling your name. Because, yes. you know, 90% of the time the books that are calling my name are just some sci-fi book that I want to read or some apocalyptic book. And then the really intelligent book comes up that I'm really want to be the person that reads that, and I don't read it. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm a happier person for it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Um, what about you? What, do you? what do you think that Emma should do? So for me, when this happens, because it happens to me, because now I'm getting a lot of physical books from the library, and I, in, in addition to all the audiobooks, um, if listeners are new, uh, I get 100% of the audiobooks that I listen to from Libby, uh, from the Los Angeles Public Library. Uh, and for me, it depends on the book. Like, if it's a big, buzzy book that I've been waiting for for a while, I'm going to just try to read it um, because that way, because I know, do that for a couple of reasons. One, I'm like trying to re-harness that energy of like, oh, this is, because sometimes you want to read something just because it's new and big and buzzy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe I, maybe this is fun and I should check this out. But also if there's a lot of people who want to read it, I want to know if I'm even going to like it because I know right. I'm going to know within 50 pages anyways. Oh, sure. So I'll just give it a shot. Um, and sometimes I'll surprise myself. I'll like start a book that I'm like, oh, I'm not as excited about this. I'll give it 50 pages. And and by that, I mean, I will give myself like a day or two because mm-hmm. I don't want to hold it up too long. And if it's a book, I know I'll be able to get back easily. And there, and there isn't a giant wait, I will suspend the hold or I'll just return it and get it, try it again another time. I have the same, I do the same thing with Libby. I have a list on there for all the books that I feel like this about that mm-hmm. like I'm semi excited to read, but not like at the moment. Um, does Libby do a wish? It does a wish list? Well, what I what I do is I tag them. Oh, so yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I tag them with like a little book emoji and I have like, I don't know, 15 books on there. And it's like books that I have either got like that I've either saw and like are not in the mood to read right now or I put on a hold and then I saw it was coming up and I'm like, you know what? I'm really not in the mood to read this right now. I'll save this for later. And then if it stays on there for like six months and I still haven't checked it out, then I'll just take it off because I'm like, I'm not super excited. And But the good thing about that list is when I am in a book slump or I'm like by some weird chance have nothing to read, I'm like, oh, I have this whole list of books that were exciting to me at one time and then I kind of forgot about Let's I'll revisit them and see if there's anything in there that I like. That's my, that's what I use Overdrive for that and Overdrive lets you have a wish list and I use the wish list for that exact thing. Although every week I go and try to pick something from the wish list that I think I might want to read and try it out. Yes. So like once a week or once every two weeks, I'll go into the wish list and not do a newer book. I'll try mm-hmm. to try to find something older or something. And that's usually a book that I was excited about at one time and decided yep. not to read. <laughs> so I think that Emma should you know, d- definitely suspend the hold unless it's like a big, crazy, super buzz. Because like I've been waiting for Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead 
for so long and I want to read it so bad. How that, did I get that book so early? Because I got it from the library. I think you got it right before all the end of the year list came out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was on a ton of end of year lists. I did have to wait. I remember waiting for it. Um, so when that fucking book comes in, I'm going to read it regardless. Mm-hmm. But if it's a book that, you know, I, I'll be able to get again in a month or something, then I'll just can't suspend that hold. Mm-hmm. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us and help us feed our cats and Bria's dog, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and stickers and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. And if you buy them, tag us, uh, do hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast or just tag us on Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook and we will repost your photo because you're probably looking pretty cute in that new sticker or t-shirt or whatever you got. Mm-hmm. And if you like the show and want to support us for free, you can rate it and review us on iTunes. Uh, we're going to do something really exciting when we hit 1,000, which we're close, close-ish to. Uh, we haven't decided what. If you have an idea for something that you'd like us to do for 1,000 reviews, please email them to us. And you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookshoot adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.